1: From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. Well, you just may have heard that Elon Musk is buying Twitter, which has sent the whole media world aflame. But Twitter is more than a global social media service. It's also a deeply San Francisco company, headquartered right in the center of the city. Thousands of employees, past and present, live here. So what's the big Elon news mean for them and our Metropole? And then we've got another youth takeover show, a panel of young women working to stop anti-Asian hate. That's all next. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Today, we're talking about what Elon Musk's deal to buy Twitter means for the Bay Area and all those Twitter employees here. I have to tell you, I actually know I should have processed this news. I've been writing about Twitter and Elon Musk for 15 years, and um, man, my main impulse is that we need to talk about this. There are many tech companies here in the Bay Area. The greatest density of them, though, are in the Mid-Peninsula down in the South Bay. Twitter is arguably the most San Francisco tech company, and now it's owned by a guy who absconded to Texas, at least in part because he doesn't like San Francisco-ness. So we've got some experienced reporters here to help us process what's happening, and we really want to hear from you. If you're a current or an ex-employee, how you doing? <laughs> Do you live or work in mid-market near Twitter headquarters? What are your concerns? Or maybe you're excited about this. You know the number. It's 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. And again, current Twitter ex-employees, gosh, we'd love to hear from you. Okay, here's the panel this morning. We're joined by Matt Honan, editor-in-chief at MIT Technology Review. Also apropos this discussion, deeply San Francisco human who's been reporting on tech since, like, Mark Zuckerberg was in high school.
2: Thanks for joining us, Matt. Thanks, Alexis. I, I think maybe he might have even been in middle school, but yeah. maybe. <laughs> I think you're right. We're getting old, man. We're getting old. Uh, we're also joined
1: by Laura Waxman, uh, real estate and economic development reporter with the San Francisco Business Times. Welcome, Laura.
3: Good morning. I love that we're all processing these news together.
1: Right. I mean, that's kind of where that's kind of where I'm at. When you heard the news, Laura, what was the first thing you were thinking about?
3: Well, of course, the the Twitter HQ on Market Street. I mean, that is my beat, the real estate beat. And there's always been question about what's going to happen with, um, you know, Twitter announcing remote work policies 100% a while ago. And um, I think this was just another kind of, whoa, what's, what's happening next?
1: Yeah. Matt Honan, how about you? I mean, you've been following Twitter for a long time. You've worked near mid-market before. Uh,
2: when you heard the news... And you were thinking, what does this mean for San Francisco? What were you thinking? I mean, you know, the, the question about what it means for mid-market, I think, is an interesting one because I'm I'm not convinced that Twitter had as nearly as profound an effect on mid-market as people thought it was going to. Like, certainly, like, I'm not convinced the city got a good deal from the tax breaks. Um, but, you know, Twitter, like, is more than its headquarters, I think, to San Francisco. I think there's a lot of, like, that that blogging spirit and that, um, you know, that, that kind of... Um, Early internet uh, vibe that the companies that the companies maintained through all this time, and like those, and like those those people, you know, the people are more important than the building. And like, I would hate to see some of those uh, or a lot of those folks uh, leaving leaving the area.
1: And you know, for those who aren't familiar with sort of Elon Musk's history with Twitter specifically, I mean, he's a big Twitter user, clearly loves the product of Twitter, but he's for a while taken umbrage with the way that Twitter has been managed, right?
2: Yeah, it seems that way, right? And and uh I mean I think that's because Elon uh is, you know, kind of a classic troll, right? Like he uh <laughs> he loves to he I mean hey, look, who doesn't love to troll Twitter, right? Like it can be fun and you get a lot of reaction. I mean, I, I it's 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 the kind of thing that, you know, you, you you type a little thing in your in your phone and all of a sudden it blows up. <laughs> and he clearly loves that, right? And uh he's talked about the ways that Twitter is overly you know, in, in I, I think I think he he would even use the word it's censoring um, speech, um, uh, which I don't I don't I, you know I don't know, and and he wants to move it to where it's just anything that's legal is allowed on the platform. I mean, if you love to troll, I guess you want to do that, but I think for a lot of us who view it, um, who view it as is you know something where that they've really just kind of turned the corner on trust and safety stuff in the last couple of years, that this is a step backwards. Yeah. We're gonna talk more about that a little
1: bit later. But Laura, I wanted to go back to this time when Twitter was beginning to set up shop uh, in mid-market. I mean, I think it was back in 2011 when they signed that deal. So it's actually been been quite a while. And as Matt mentioned, got a big tax break from the city under the kind of implicit threat that they were going to leave San Francisco. Uh, what sort of happened since they agreed, OK, we're going to move in there?
3: Right. So if you remember, if you were here, I, I was as well. And Twitter um, at that time had considered moving out of San Francisco to, I think it was San Mateo County. And um, so the tax break was kind of an effort directed at Twitter to keep them, not only keep them in the city, but also kind of create a cluster of companies in mid-market. Um, you know, the thinking being that if someone like Twitter stays, other companies will follow and um, revitalize that area. I was looking at numbers earlier, and I think uh, right before the Twitter tax break, one in three storefronts on mid-market, in the mid-market area were vacant. So that was an issue. um, And mid-market obviously has struggled with that for a long time and continues to struggle with vacancies at this time.
1: Yeah, Do you agree with Matt that Twitter's impact on mid-market perhaps fell short of what city leaders were hoping?
3: yes I, th- I wrote about an audit I think that was 2019 um, the years are kind of meshed together now with the pandemic <laughs>
1: who knows yeah you <laughs> who know <knows>? sometime <laughs>
3: before the pandemic um, yeah. <laughs> I know there was an audit there were probably several um but i i remember just reporting on that um, at the time and um, there was some disappointment there from from city leaders you know because uh, there were community benefits baked into um, you know this tax break this program and there, re- there were really no ways of, of enforcing them. And I think that was one of the takeaways um, of how the tax break failed. That area, you know, failed San Francisco's because the the, the safeguards weren't. The, it It had no teeth, mm. you know, in, in that sense. And um, it did, I I believe, um, revitalize the area. You know, it did bring Zendesk and other companies into mid-market. Um, <clears throat> but but did it have the effect? I don't know. Um Twitter built a cafeteria. <laughs> that was a big issue at the time as well, because if you want to revitalize an area, you need to send people out into the streets. <laughs> you need to send people into the coffee shops. Maybe the bars did well, you know, with after-hour happy hours, but um, I don't think it shook out the way it was it was planned. Yeah, you know, it's funny, Matt. We
1: people outside of San Francisco, in particular, think <laughs> of San Francisco as a tech town. Yeah. But like, if you look at the companies that were in, like, San Francisco, that were big and important companies. I mean, it was really more Bank of America, Visa, Bechtel. Like, the it was not a tech town, really, with big, you know, publicly listed tech companies uh, of the kind that we think of, you know, the Silicon
2: Valley startup type. Really? Until Twitter and Salesforce, yeah? I think that's right. I mean, I th- there was, you know, there were a lot of... Uh Smaller companies that were here. I think there was there was like this whole scene going on around South Park, out of like you know companies like Adaptive Path, that were uh, that you know that, but they tended to be smaller. You know I mean, it was like it was like Twitter and before Twitter, Odeo, its predecessor, and um, you know the like just six apart, those types of companies that were that were you know not the not the giant firms that we think of. Um, and so I mean I do think that Twitter had a like a you know an effect that that helped. Make it kind of okay for more companies to be here. I don't know if it had as much of a nearly as much of an effect as Salesforce or like Google opening offices here. Um, it's you know it's still you know compared to those companies a pretty small uh, company in terms of a number of employees. Like it, you know they don't touch uh, a, you know a Google or a Salesforce. Um, but I do think it changed San Francisco's tech scene. Like when you think about uh, when I think about the first dot com boom, like that was happening in the peninsula. You know, mm-hmm. and you know, after Twitter, it did feel like it was a lot more of a tech town. Yeah. Like Instagram, I mean, you just, you... Instagram came out of the same building. They were working in a Twitter, like when they started, they were working in one of Twitter's conference rooms. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it it did have a, you know, it did have an effect on the city's tech scene.
1: Yeah. I mean, you just sort of expected if you were going to work in tech, I think you might live in San Francisco, but you would sort of do that great migration of the like young nerds down 101 into the peninsula and, and the South. I mean, it, it's just, that's how it worked uh, and it seemed like one of the major advantages of Twitter was, no, these are people, it, it captured the kind of employees who not only wanted to work in tech, but who wanted to live in San Francisco.
2: Yeah, I think that's true. And, you know, I mean, a lot of them, uh, a lot of them still do. I mean, including, you know, including Jack Dorsey. Um, uh, Jason Goldman uh, is, is lives in San Francisco, is pretty, pretty active in, you know, local affairs, um, you know, I mean, I think if you remember, they were they were pretty like the company was pretty involved with uh, Ed Lee. Like there were a lot of folks who were on his, um, you know, who, who were working to get him elected, reelected. Uh, and they've, you know, I feel like they've been they've they've tried to be a part of the city. I mean, it, it, you know, whether or not the tax breaks wind up being worthwhile. And like I, I don't Do you remember this? There was there was like ridiculous stuff about one of the community benefits was they were doing yoga um, at <laughs> At the Twitter office or something—I don't know. It for, was some... the, for the community, I think for the community, yeah. Um, you know, but, but I'm actually into that, I mean, right? right? Yeah. Okay, hey, fair you know. enough. But I, I understand I, I...
1: it's a very San Francisco sounding <laughs> idea. Right. But
2: uh, you know, I mean, but they but they they definitely have been part of the of the San Francisco community, and for better or worse, they've they have transformed the city. Yeah. Laura, did you want to follow up on that?
3: I just wanted to say I hear they have pretty nice offices, so you know, I'm, <laughs> sure, I'm sure it's nice going in there and doing yoga or catching a view.
1: Yes, that's true. And we you know, one of the things that could maybe an optimistic scenario here, because we don't really know what Elon Musk is gonna do with this company, is he, you know, in the run up to buying the company, tweeted about how the Twitter employees did not go into the office. So you could actually imagine a scenario, I think, where Elon Musk says we're back in the office all the time, and suddenly mid-market's got a lot more people. now.
3: right. So I was actually riffing with a source about that the other day, um, just kind of picking his brain, and um, he's in he's in the broker community, and you know that that seemed to be more what what he was thinking. That um, you know if if employees do come back to that building, I mean that would be first of all great for that neighborhood, you know, um, for obvious reasons. But also great for the city because it would kind of um, kind of set a tone. <laughs> mm-hmm. It would it would set a standard. And um, what I even just covering real estate for the past two years have seen is that it seems that um, some of the startups and the smaller companies that are getting their their start and their roots in San Francisco kind of look to the big guys to see what they're doing. And sure. so um, I think that would be you know a, a great sign for the economy.
1: We're talking about Elon Musk's deal to buy Twitter and what it means for the Bay Area and Twitter's many, many employees here. We're joined by Laura Waxman, real estate and economic development reporter for the San Francisco Business Times, and Matt Honan, editor-in-chief of MIT Technology Review. We really would love to hear from some of you Twitter employees out there. might be a little scary at the moment, but if you're a current or former Twitter employee, how do you think Elon Musk's ownership will change how Twitter works and its mission and maybe even its role in San Francisco. You can give us a call, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can get in touch on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. We're KQED Forum. You can email, still exists, still works, forum at kqed.org. And also, if you've been around mid-market, if you lived or worked there, we'd love to hear from you, too, about what you think uh, could change in the neighborhood because of these Twitter changes. I'm Alexis Madrigal. This is Forum. Stay tuned for more after the break.
0: Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera.
1: Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about what Elon Musk's deal to buy Twitter, assuming it all goes through, means for San Francisco and the Bay Area. We're joined by Matt Honan, editor in chief of MIT Technology Review, and Laura Waxman, a real estate and economic development reporter for the San Francisco Business Times. We're going to get some of your calls and comments here. Uh, Matt, can I throw this one to you. Uh, listener tweets. I go back and forth with Elon Musk, but within hours of the announcement that he was going to officially buy Twitter, a few followers in his thread started doing that thing, like how Twitter was a year ago. Stalkers with lots of sexist, racist posts in their handles. I'm worried I've heard so many different perspectives. Some are saying he wants to clean up the algorithm, which will tamper, like tamp down the far-right propaganda. Others say he's offended by things people say to him on Twitter, and he doesn't like it. What do you think? I mean, it's kind of a, a question about Twitter, the product, and whether Elon Musk is really going to change it, and if so, how that will map onto politics.
2: You know, the the thing that I think is interesting is is he is like just an incredible product person, clearly, right? Like he's, he's got this great track record of, of of making incredible products, making sure that they do really well, and he could you know he could be end up be doing incredible things for the product. Uh, some of the stuff that he's been talking about um, I've heard people in Twitter internally say they're already working on Um, but I think you know a lot of the stuff it's just like we're not going to know and we're not going to we're not going to see until he gets there I personally think that um, my view is that the content moderation bit of this is going to be a lot harder than he's anticipating Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think that you know, there are going to be, you know, there's a story today about, about, uh, you know, Twitter sending an email to advertisers assuring them that things can be brand safe. You know, $44 billion, even for a guy like Elon Musk, is a lot of money. And if Twitter becomes, you know, just a toxic stew of, you know, know, just the worst kind of, you know, racist and sexist and horrible uh, comments, advertisers aren't going to want to be associated with that. And... You that's, know, that's their problem that's their business <laughs> that's their actual yeah, business that's right? their actual business yeah and you know i'm i'm am uh, i'm signed up for twitter blue which is the uh, the paid version of twitter but i'm signed up for it largely out of novelty because my job is to kind of understand things that are happening with tech products i don't know that i would pay for it mm-hmm. um, if uh, you know if if i was um, you know if i wasn't if i if i didn't feel like i needed to for my job and I think that, you know, if, if his idea is that, OK, well, we're going to make it just a, a, a free for all with speech and people will pay to be there. I'm not sure that's true. Um, and I'm also not sure that, you know, no matter what, you know, they're reassuring uh, kinds of things they're saying to advertisers um, that those will pan out if, if, you know, if an advertiser is like, OK, yeah, well, maybe my, my tweet isn't adjacent to, a, to some, you know, horrible ISIS beheading, which is legal. Um, but. That ISIS beheading is three tweets over. Like, are they still, are they really going to be there? Mm-hmm. You know, that I don't know that it makes much of a difference. Um, so there's a yeah. lot, there's a lot, there's a lot to, to like unpack there once he gets in.
1: Yeah. Uh, friend of mine, friend of the show, Robin Sloan, had this line where he, I'm just going to quote it here uh, Musk's substantial success launching reusable spaceships does nothing to prepare him for the challenge of building social spaces. The latter calls on every liberal art at once, while the former, is just rocket science. And I actually, I, I think there's a lot of a lot of truth in that. Um, let's bring in our first caller, uh, Marshall in San Jose. Welcome to the show.
5: Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm a former Twitter employee. I was in the marketing department overseas. Um, and it's been pretty disappointing to watch all of this. And just in terms of getting a taste of what an Elon Musk-owned Twitter will look like, I mean, if you if you look at the two executives he's really laying into, um, the second after he bought the company, it's the Indian American CEO and the Chief General Counsel, Vigia gaddi and both incredibly well respected people within Twitter. Um, and he's circulating memes, basically publicizing her and her inaction on doing anything to fix the platform. She's now facing like death threats and online harassment. I and mean, this is bizarre behavior. and I think it's very odd that he, um, that Jack, the former CEO, has not really stepped out to say anything about it. In fact, kind of relegating himself to silence, while Dick Costolo, the previous CEO, is now publicly out there defending mm-hmm. um, the Twitter executive team. And so I think it's really just a mess in terms of, um, A, showing us how he plans to operate, and B, who specifically he's going after when he does mm-hmm. this. So um, I just wanted to put that out
1: there. Yeah, Marshall, great. Um, that is really a really great question. I think the, the way I would put this to you, Matt, Is can a troll be the CEO of a company? (laughs) Like, can can those two things like a a social media company? Because obviously, a troll can be a rocket ship company CEO,
2: but a social media company, right? I mean, so I'm um, like I'm unsure uh, what uh, I I can't I can't say what what he said on the air. But when I was at BuzzFeed News, like an email that he sent us was just it was just you know that Elon Musk sent you that Elon Musk sent us was just was just too. Profane words, you know, back to back, um, and um, you know, I, I, I don't know that he, I don't, I, I don't know that that's going to work out really well. The, the going back to Marshall's point about Vidya, she is, uh, you know, I've, I've known her for a long time, been covering Twitter for a long time, and there's, there's basically no one at Twitter who enjoys the uh, respect and you know admiration that she has, and what Marshall said what tracks with what I've heard from employees there. That people are outraged internally that um, that he's gone after her. People are outraged that Jack Dorsey hasn't come to her defense. Uh, one person was telling me that the outrage is is particularly acute on um, you know on some of the teams that he's going to need the most on the on the legal team on the trust and safety team, um, and it it just seems like a really uh, you know like a like a like a it it just seems like a dumb thing to do like why would you alienate so much of that workforce before you even walk in the door maybe trolling works you know if you're trying to get people to buy a car but i don't know that it works if you're trying to get people to participate in your in your communications platform hey marshall if you were still there what would you do in terms of if I was still at the
5: company, yeah. If
1: you if you were still if you're still a Twitter employee right now, Elon Musk buys the company. Like, what do, what are you doing? I mean,
5: I, first of all, I would I, I lead an internal like a team and like a, a rebellion, essentially, to get him to define what what is it that he wants changed. Like, there is this is literally like the Occupy Wall Street thing. He's he's all about free speech and less moderation and more America. Um, Like, what is he even talking about? Like, let's what's his Bill of Rights? Like, let's get him to define what he'd like to change so we can understand, like, what it is we're dealing with. I think the media could help with that as well. I mean, it's really just this ball of kind of memes and and jargon right now. And, And I think the world is trying to figure out what exactly does he want to get done with this platform. My last point about the open sourcing of the algorithm, Jack's been talking about that for seven years. This is not new. Um, so, in regards to that, that's just rehashed kind of stuff. So, that that yeah. would be my point. Um, yeah, Alexis.
1: Thanks so much, Marshall. I love that—a ball of memes and jargon. But you know who isn't these days? You know, uh, we're we're talking about Elon Musk's deal to buy Twitter and what it means for San Francisco and the Bay Area with Matt Honan, editor in chief at MIT Technology Review, and Laura Waxman, real estate and economic development reporter for the San Francisco Business Times. We're just talking with Marshall, former employee at Twitter. If you want to call in and let us know what you think as a current or former uh, Twitter employee, the number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Let's get uh, another call. This one's coming to you, I think, Laura Waxman. Uh, Brian in Berkeley, welcome to the show.
6: Thank you. Um, I'm concerned about mid-market. I'm CEO of Lighthouse for the Blind. We're a 120-year-old Organization, and we chose to uh, locate our headquarters two blocks from Twitter in 2014, partly because of these community benefit agreements that Twitter and other companies signed with the city in exchange for 10 years of a payroll tax holiday worth millions of dollars to them. No company has been stingier than Twitter. Uh, I, a few years ago, I looked at the Community Benefit Agreement, and they had $60,000, a $44 billion company, $60,000 to benefit the community around. Mm-hmm. That community, there's probably no starker contrast in the United States between the poverty and, and awful human condition on the street there in mid-market and the billions of dollars happening in, in Twitter. I really hope that whatever happens with the Twitter building we really tried to prioritize a meaningful community benefit agreement that has that has uh, significant amounts of support for the nonprofits mm-hmm. who are there in mid market. Yeah,
1: Brian, I have to tell you, I think there's no one I would like to negotiate with less <laughs> as a nonprofit leader than Elon Musk. Perhaps um, I it's it's that's a tough one to to imagine. Uh, Laura Waxman, can you talk to us a little bit more? You mentioned it briefly uh, about this community benefits agreement and. You know, it has been controversial, uh, and obviously, Brian is uh, telling us why from the perspective of local organizations.
3: Right, um, Brian. I, th- I feel like we've met before, <laughs> but um, great to hear from you. And you know, I would love to hear more just what it's like on the ground now, um, being in mid-market. But yeah, I mean, that's just you know, anecdotally, obviously, what I've been hearing too that um, not just Twitter, but just a lot of these companies didn't quite fulfill their their commitments, and um, the city just did not put in place. Um, you know, these these uh, safeguards or, or just put teeth into this program in order to hold them accountable. And um, so, you know, as as Brian said, the conditions in mid-market, you know, while there has been more foot traffic, there has been more inve- investment from both the companies and the people who live there now, um, it still isn't quite where it needs to be. And I think the pandemic obviously has made it much worse. Um, you know, I, I believe there was a, a bit of a boom pre-pandemic and um, there was some there were some new uh, hotels opening and new uh, stores opening but now obviously all of that is is kind of uh, thrown into question the, the future of that area.
1: Yeah. Uh, Matt, listener Marsha writes. I read today there may be complications relative to the completion of the purchase of Twitter. These were noted as Tesla stock decreased making it less likely that Musk has the money. The breaches with employees at Twitter, it was written into the contract of purchase that he was not to be abusive, and the SEC case loss. You know, I think the, the thread I want to pull on out of this uh, comment, Matt, is there have been maybe not so much from the inside, but from, from particularly people of color outside Twitter. A lot of people have, have said, like, man, what is it like to be a black person inside Twitter, um, as Marshall mentioned you know there're two indie American executives who've been you know, targets of nasty tweets and trolls by Elon Musk already um, are you hearing anything about that because there have there's been organized um, employee resource groups inside Twitter for a long time
2: what I I haven't uh, specifically um, about being a black employee about inside Twitter I have heard about being a woman inside Twitter Um Another person who he uh, who he kind of went after, basically as a reply to a tweet, tweet is their uh, CMO, um, who's who's also a, a woman, and so two of the you know three people who have and, and, and who have been singled out have been women, um, and there's been you know I I've, I I can't get into it exactly as it was you know I can't get into the discussion, but it was it there's there's been concern as I as I understand it about that. Um, and certainly I think that if you look at the environment around his tweets, you know, it's not just what he tweets, it's what his many millions of followers do in reaction to his tweets. Um, he's pouring, he, you know, he's pouring, uh, or he's putting out a lot of fuel that, that yeah. people can, that people can light on fire. And there has been, there is definitely been concern inside Twitter about that and what he's, what the effect he's going to have on those employees will be.
1: Let's bring in Dylan from Sunnyvale. Welcome, Dylan. Thanks. I just wanted to
5: kind of join up your comments about advertisers with what Marshall and others said about harassment. I think we found with when Trump was on Twitter, on Fox News, like advertisers are okay being next to content that sounds intellectual but actually directs harassment at, you know, especially women or women of color. And so it's pretty disturbing to see Elon going into that himself. And I. Think it's a really bad sign for what would happen to Twitter under his control that it could be more of a Trumpian like vehicle for harassment
6: right.
1: I mean I think that is one of the big questions you know when I've been talking with people about this there's just the Trump question does Elon Musk bring bring Trump back onto the platform um, wh- what do you think Matt
2: well I mean Trump said he's not coming back either way but uh, he's, he's also got his own thing that he's trying to promote um, so you know I, I think that I think that if uh, it, it just seems like such a natural move for him to do it, uh, for Elon to bring to, 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 to offer to let Trump back, you know, if, if he's serious about, um, you know, about some of the things that he said about free speech, it would seem like that's that's kind of a natural place for him to go. Um, I mean, it was you know, it was incredibly controversial uh, when Trump was kicked off, um, despite everything that was going on. Uh, you know, despite the fact that people have been calling for him to be kicked off for years, uh, but Elon is is you know, I mean, the, the thing is, Alexis, like, who knows, right? Like, the thing about Elon, <laughs> like, the one thing we really, really know about him is is the guy is just a complete wild card, right? Like, he like he he loves chaos or seemingly loves chaos, seems loves to create chaos, mm-hmm. uh, and and is that like the, the most? That's certainly one of the most chaotic things he could do. Uh, but, you know, he also he also may decide that he wants to make it a nice, safe place where we just talk about, you know, bunnies all day. <laughs> I mean, you, you just don't know.
1: You know, I think the other big unknown, at least to me having followed, you know, platforms for, for a long time, is, you know, if it was easy to make a social platform do the things that people wanted it to do, who are the executives of the company, then, like, the social media space would look a lot different. You know, like, it, what people do... At the top end and with the software and with the way the product works doesn't map easily or, you know, cleanly onto what the people actually do with that thing. And it certainly doesn't map cleanly onto like left right politics, even if people are, are are trying to make it do that. So I think there's some could be some very interesting things. OK, one quick uh, last call. Sean in Oakland. Welcome to the show.
7: Yeah, thank you very much. I heard uh Musk taking over Twitter. Now it's going to be called Mutter. But anyway, um my my um my point is that why is this so important? Um you know, it really bothers me not being a Silicon Valley person, but living in the Bay Area for so long that that follower numbers are all important, but it's my understanding that people that follow these things say that follower numbers are virtually meaningless these days. Yet you get reputable news organizations like NPR, like the New York Times, like Washington Post, talking about follower numbers of politicians or whoever, but there's no asterisk there saying actually minus 60% of that is not actually people. You know, um, you know the the. I heard the the likelihood that an, an account being assigned to Facebook right now is an actual person is down to one percent, you know. But yet we're this is all important, you know, as if it's some bastion of fact and and uh, and truth. And you know, of global consciousness. Of I think
1: was uh, was Jack yeah. Dorsey's quote. Yeah, the light of global. There we consciousness. go. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah anyway, you know, Sean. I'm, it's a. It's a. I'm no. It's a. It's a good point. And I think one of the things it points out, um, which I will I will I will take to, to Laura, actually, is like the, the real world really still does exist. Right. And there this world of Twitter and the way that it has played into San Francisco is um, is really complex and complicated and nothing is going to change that quickly. Right. We have one last uh, question from Curtis, which was. Uh, or, or sorry, from Sylvia. Do you think it's possible Musk will move Twitter to Texas? Do you know anything about the real estate situation for Twitter that would make that difficult, Laura?
3: Yes. Yeah, so, um, such great insight. I'm, I'm like learning so much right now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Twitter, it was interesting. I reported last year that they actually took out an office in Oakland, um, which was seemed to be kind of the trend for companies doing that, you know, opening up satellite offices close to where their workforce lives because it's a little bit more affordable in the East Bay and um, you know you don't have to commute so that was the trend and then they um, also just very recently about six months ago renewed um, a lease for two of their floors at their, their market street headquarters And they also expanded into a third floor so i don't really know what the terms are of that lease renewal but i'm assuming they have at least another five to seven years mm. um, because of that at this yeah. building
1: Wow, that's good. That is some good information. Thank you uh, so much. We've been talking about Elon Musk's deal to buy Twitter, what it means for San Francisco, the Bay Area, and and the service itself, the app people love to hate. We've been joined by Laura Waxman, real estate and economic development reporter for the San Francisco Business Times. Thanks for joining us, Laura. Thank you. It was so much fun. <laughs> also been joined by Matt Honan, editor-in-chief at MIT Technology Review. Thank you so much,
2: Matt. Thank you, Alexis.
1: Stay with us for more Forum
2: after a short break.